Welcome to the TKW podcast. It happened. We're here. We're at the crossroads. I got Kyle with me, Mr. Maggio. What's going on, fellas? I got Trey Zingas with me. Hello. I got Nick's Wall Editor-in-Chief with me, Ryan Punzelon. Good afternoon, fellas. And the we've crossed the two-yard line. We're... Or the uh, the inches or whatever the uh, analogy was. We finally are in the end zone. Melo's gotten traded. Um, never would have thought Oklahoma City would be the destination, but here we go. He didn't have to change color schemes or anything. Um, what do we what do we think? Initial first thoughts. Give them to me. I will never buy a Melo Thunder jersey because those are the ugliest jerseys in the league. Yeah, I would. I, no, no, no. Absolutely. I get the uh, the alternate. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe that black jersey. That's it. Mm-hmm. I was hoping, I was praying for the Blazers jersey. That would have been an instant cop. Yeah. Would have, I would never have had to think twice about it. And it's timeless. 60 years from now, the Blazers are going to have the same fucking jersey design. It would have been beautiful. And we got the Thunder. The worst jerseys. So, um, you know, other than fashion-wise... What do we feel about this trade? How do we feel about the Russ and the Paul George pairing with them? I mean, that's I mean, fine. Yeah, I mean, that's fun. That's about what you could have hoped for from the Thunder side of it. No, I mean, they just they just scrapped back this past season without having Kevin Durant. And what were they, the six seed? Or the, no, they were like... They, they were six, seven, they were I think, because uh, they played Houston round one. Yes, so, I mean, they, they scrapped and clawed. Russ was the MVP, and they kind of got by in a bear outside of Russ, right? So you had a PG, and you're like, okay, this could probably be a fourth or fifth seed. I could see it. And now you had Melo, and it's like, that's that's good. He'd be the, the full-time power forward, I'd assume, next to Adams, where he's optimal. Yep. So that's kind of a good lineup, where he was also never bad defensively when he was the four. So that's overstated if they're going to bring those blows up. So... I, I mean, it's it's a great for the Thunder. They only gave up Cantor, who was what a, a super sub at this point, really. Yeah, I Pretty mean, much. I'm I agree with that. The Cantor thing is interesting to me, just because of everything that's going on with him, like outside of the NBA as well. Because I, like I know the Thunder had just arranged to like get special passports for him to go play. I think they had the Mexico City game. And like to play in Canada and stuff like that since he had his uh, passport revoked by uh, his home country. Um, so I don't know. I get, I mean, I don't see the Knicks having problems with that, but it, it's interesting to see his like political battle that he's facing being brought onto the New York uh, scene now. Um, what do we think about these players for New York? Well, I mean, it's, it's not good. Yeah, this I mean, there's, there wasn't going to be any defense to begin with, and now there's even more no defense. Does Cantor have defense. Does Cantor have any role on this team? Where is he? Fa- like, is he the big ahead of Noah? Behind Noah? Is he behind like O'Quinn on the depth chart? I mean, he's better than Billy. Like, he's just a better basketball player than Billy. Yeah, 
So he's the second best big on the roster, but well, he's not someone you necessarily want to have on your roster. Right, but there's no way he'll start or anything. They're like, I, might. you think he'll start next to next to KP? I, mean, I think it's it, definitely possible. Didn't Billy Donovan bring him out from the the bench all the time? Yeah. So I mean, if you're looking at scoring from the from the bench squad, then you could probably use Canner as that guy, and then probably pair him up with a Lance Thomas or a Kyle Quinn to kind of shore up the defense. But yeah, I mean. I don't think anyone that the Knicks receive from this trade is going to start. I can't believe they only got a second-round pick out of this, too. I uh, sure can. I sure can. But I, I don't really... I think you should just start Cantor. I mean, that's the best asset you're getting from this, right? The, the 2018 second-rounder isn't anything, and McBuckets is what he is. So I think you should just start Cantor, and then when you do that... Hopefully, if you I, you do it with the intent that you'd want to trade him, I would hope. That's what I'm thinking and, too. They, that's going to be the move. And just let him. There's not. This isn't going to be a good roster. KP will take another step forward. Billy will probably take a step forward. Hopefully, it's a big one. It's a leap. And then you just let Cantor do a bunch of shit. Well, we got the you walking just let, bucket as our starting three now. The walking. I mean, he is Carmelo, but on the opposite block. Don't this forget guy that. is happiest about this trade right now. Michael Beasley is just thrilled that he's going to be able to put up shots Set now. Several blunts in rotation at his house. <laughs> he's uh, just a left-handed mellow. I've often just said the lefty that. version. I didn't know he was a lefty. I'm really, that makes me happy. I'm a lefty, too. Um, okay, what about McDermott? He, have, is, is, he can shoot. How old is he now? 24. Five? He's not old. I think, yeah, twenty-five. Can we? Is he? Can we consider him like a reasonable prospect at this point, or is he just kind of? Is he just entirely fodder? Well, wouldn't you know? If we're trying to build around KP, shouldn't we, you know, spot him up with shooters? So wouldn't this be a good addition? I mean, I don't know. He this is last year, so um, it's really up to the Knicks if they want to extend that qualifying offer. But no, I don't know. It's more like, it's like a man. Cantor has a one and one, so he has he's under contract this year, and then he has a player option for next year. Okay. For eighteen million, I think. Oh my god. Or some some absurd number like that. So. So what did this trade really do? It got Melo out of here. It got well, Melo. Like out of fundamentally, here. that's kind of just what it did. It didn't clear cap space. It didn't get a pick back for him. What, what was the? Well, you, well, you got you got the second rounder. You just didn't get the first. All right, so you get a second rounder back. You didn't get, but like you didn't get a substantial pick back. You got back McDermott, who's not anywhere near the top of anyone's you know board for breaking out. Um, and then you got Cantor, who's making nearly as much money as Mello was. I mean, a couple of million off for sure, but. Um, and he probably will opt into, opt into his contract next year. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't accept that player option. Um, so yeah, this I, I'm still kind of racking my brain trying to fully understand this. As much as I hope something else comes out later on down the line, that probably not. But man, I'm going to miss Melo. I mean, at this point, it kind of feels like the relationship between Mel and the Knicks was so toxic to the point that it just kind of had to end. And even if this is just a lateral move, I mean, it still kind of had to happen. Like, it definitely felt inevitable for the last two months or so. Mm -hmm. Like, it just kind of had to happen. It's kind of like a divorce 
that's what people keep calling it, but it's like kind of like that. You just have to know when things have to end. And if you can like kind of recoup like a little bit, and I guess McDermott is that the second round pick is that Kander's a talented basketball player who you don't particularly want, but he's good. Like I guess you kind of have to do it, especially because Carmelo's on the decline. And like we've seen this summer that there is enough player power at this point like Kyrie Irving was even like I just want to get out of here and he was dealt like Melo's at the same level where he just wanted to get out and like the players are kind of taking the power away at this point it seems Mm -hmm. and they're kind of just getting what they want and everyone keeps you know bringing up Kyrie Irving especially on Twitter they're like oh you know Kyrie got much more when he got traded well obviously someone had a no trade clause and the other person didn't. So uh, of course the Knicks are going to be kind of screwed in that sense. So yeah, it just thinks that it it just had to happen. It just had to happen. Then it ended up being Oklahoma city. That was the recipient. You know, this is all my fault because like two months ago I was saying how Sam Presti is probably an overrated general manager. And then he flipped the um, Abaka package for Paul George and has now swindled his way into Carmelo Anthony. Like I'll take I'll take blame here. I this is all me. Well, you know, I, I as much as it wasn't like a on the face value, it's a swindle. Like I, I'm still not, and and I really hate that I sound like the the Homer Knicks guy, but I don't think it was a swindle as much as an accurate representation of what the value and the landscape was at the time. Like we knew what. He, they were going to get last trade deadline. It was Austin Rivers, Jamal Crawford, and like a 2021 pick if they got a pick. So, like, I don't think anything's really changed with what he was going to get. He, what we were going to take back Ryan Anderson from the Rockets. That was another, like, stinker. Like, I don't know if it was, you know, they got swindled as much as they're like, look, the reality is from any team that we're trying to trade with, the Clippers, the Cavs, the Rockets, um, the Thunder, like, we're getting more or less the same package. So when like, we're, should... getting, we're getting more or less the same thing. And at least here, the only upside besides getting a second rounder is, which is meh, at, at best it's meh, um, is that you got Cantor, who's like 25. So to some degree, you have a youngish guy, as opposed to having like 34-year-old or whatever age he is, Ryan Anderson. Mm-hmm. So my, you know question, I mean? my question is, at what point should they have traded Nello then? I mean, you should have traded him, I think, probably last offseason when you knew he was already on. The thing is, in my opinion, things don't just come out right as they're happening in sports. Like, for him and Phil to have the damaged relationship they had, like, yeah, publicly it got worse last year, but I'd imagine things were fraying for quite some time before that. Obviously, that's all speculation. I think if you were if you knew that that's the direction things were heading, you knew what you had in KP. I think the optimal time would have been to really push last off season to really try to make the move. So again, it's all speculation because you don't know what you were going to get offered. You don't know what anybody's going to accept. He still has the no trade clause. He could have always said no. He could have said no today. So it's always speculation because there's so many variables that don't work in the team's favor. And because of that, you don't get the trade package that's optimal. So I, I don't know that it would have mattered. I think earlier the better because of age and, you know, his injury history as of late. I think the earlier the better. But, yeah, I mean, maybe we get a little bit of a better package if we wait 
to the trade deadline this year, maybe we get a first instead of a second with a similar player package to make this, you know, like there was no good option and they want to get this franchise to KP for, you know, the next segment of fucking up with a franchise player. So I, I don't know. I, I just don't think, yeah, like it sucks. Clearly it sucks. We, we don't want this package, but you have to get something back for him. Mm-hmm. And Again, I, I just I, I I don't like it. I just keep thinking about the other packages and you know Ryan Anderson, Austin Rivers. I just think like if you're gonna give me Cantor, I, I mean fine, he can at least score. He's he someone would want him as opposed to like getting Austin River as the fucking selling point. I, I don't know. I, and we also gotta take into consideration that we still had Phil Jackson last year. So who knew what if if Phil Jackson was still here today would he had made this trade who it could have been worse it could have been better but yeah so perry either thought that now was the best time to make this move compared to down the road especially if Melo's camp has been pushing to get this trade going which it's sounded like they wanted to for the past two months so like yeah as cal said who knew there's just too many variables to consider whether or not you know now is the best time to make this move so i think it's fine yeah, I just want to drop a couple of more uh, details about it going on. Um, Mello's no trade clause is expected to carry over into Oklahoma City, um, so he, I guess he waived it for now, and we'll have it back again uh, as part of the agreement of him going over there. Um, he waived his trade kicker, obviously. Um, OKC is going to have an additional twelve point four million in luxury tax added to the deal. Uh, which is going to make their tax bill be $27.8 million. Um, if anyone's interested in owner's money. Um, yeah, and then Cantor had a trade kicker as well. Uh, 50% trade bonus of $2.68 million with a cap hit of 20.56 for this season. Um, and then, yeah, he's got an 18.6 uh, player option for next season. So... Also, the Knicks can extend McDermott before the October 16th deadline if they want to. So, yep, I guess that's all the details for it. Um, is there any any other mellow thoughts we got to get out there? Michael Beasley starting four, starting three. I hope so, right? Yeah, I, w- I would say so. I don't really, I don't think we should start Kuzminskis or Lance Thomas. Um, yeah, they were just going to have to see how this lineup shakes out. I mean, I, I could see McDermott starting, too, uh, if they want to go that uh, route. Let's, for a few uh, I'm, I'm trying to enjoy my Saturday. Can we... Listen, man, I was supposed to go to the beach today. Yeah, well, you, you thought. Yeah. You thought. And then Melo said no. <laughs> hey, yeah. but hey, this is a Mello this actually finally team now. The what? Yeah. yeah it's actually Chris Seth Porzingis' team. So. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that to look forward to, and I guess they can enter training camp thinking, all right, if if KP is our go-to guy, we can start setting up, you know, our offense around that. So that's exciting. I'm I mean, excited be- for Melo. But before we, I think, fully move on from Melo to focus on KP in this conversation, and while we still have Trey for a few minutes, if you could, gentlemen, what is your favorite Carmelo Anthony? moment from his tenure with the Knicks because mine is locked and loaded but I want to hear what you have to say when he showed up to the bodega with his robe oh my Oof. god that is yeah, yeah. oh mm. that was bodega prime mellow. time New York City mellow. mellow 
Pat Mello. 62-point Mello. Fashion Mello. It's sad that all of this is just off-the-court stuff. Well, there's 62-point Mello. Yeah. That was on my dad's birthday a couple years ago, actually. There is nine three-pointers Mello. There's uh, Glazed Donut Face Mellow. There's Glazed Donut Ass Glazed Donut Face Mellow. Um, all right. And you got the Chicago Bulls Mellow, that, that game, that game-winning shot game. Well, actually, that was my favorite because I had never spent a substantial amount of money on Knicks tickets. So I remember <laughs> I was with my buddy that day, and I was like, hey, um, it was Easter. And I remember seeing we can get like right above the Budweiser sign, like very first row where the player tunnel was. And the tickets were like 150 each. I don't know why that seemed like cheap, but I was like, this is the day I'm going to spend good money to get close seats. So I bought those tickets. We went to the game, and it was a good game. It was exciting. Rose was playing. Rose had a good game. That was when he was still solid-ish at the time. Um, you know, it, it, it was good. Joe Keem, no, it was like prime Joe Keem. It was a good game. And then um, they're going back and forth. And I remember going down to the fourth quarter, Mello was shooting on my side, like where my corner was, where my good seats were. And he hit the first three to, you know, to send the game into overtime. And I lost my, I don't think I've ever screamed that loud in my life. I lost my shit. And then uh, in overtime, he starts coming down and then everybody kind of like, you could feel it in the crowd. It was one of those moments where like, you knew he was like sizing it up from the same spot as he was coming down. And then he had, I think, it was Luol Deng for the second shot. I think it was Taj Gibson the first shot, Luol Deng the second shot. And he just kind of, like, sizes him up like he's going to blow by him and then just pulls up and he just bangs another one. And then, like, he loses his shit. We lost our shit. It was just wild. It was That was, like, I mean, because I was there, it helps. But then I went home and I watched it on video for, like, ever. And I still watch it. That's my favorite like, an out, right now I'm smiling. Like, that's my favorite. It wasn't the playoffs or anything. I think that was in the lockout year, if I'm not mistaken. No, it wasn't, because maybe it was. I don't know. But that was for sure my favorite favorite memory. I, the second is, like, that Boston playoff game, um, because that was an all-timer. But uh, that's that's my favorite, personal favorite mellow memory. Yeah. That was a fantastic game. That was probably his most memorable game, right? Like, we remember that more than the 62 points, right? Yeah, because the 62 points, I mean, not that it was discounted, but it was the Bobcats. He took a lot of shots. It was still, it's 62. He still had a good game. Of course he had a good game. It was a great game. One of his most memorable ones. But for me, like, I don't know. He was playing like the Bulls. The Bulls were one top two teams in the East at the time. Top three or four in the NBA. I mean, it was... I don't know. It was good. I just I'm a little sad now. I'm a little I'm, sad now. Yeah, I I'm definitely. I'm I'm upset by this, man. Like Melo has been one of my favorite players for years now, and you know, there's the New York bias in there. But just like watching it, like watching him play still, and it's gonna be. I'm super happy that he's in Oklahoma City, honestly, because I'm really happy to see like what he's actually gonna be able to do, like playing somewhere where he might be happy. Um, and not having to worry about leading a team and all that nonsense. But um, I think my favorite moment of him, honestly, was just like in 2013, like every time I'd look over and he's just like sitting on at the end of games or just like blowing dudes out. He's just sitting on the bench, like cracking up with Marcus Camby and like Sheed and mm. all. And like it just J.R. Smith and Marcus Camby and Melo. There's like that picture of them just like cracking up over there. And that was like several games throughout the season. Like, I don't know. I just loved watching him like joke around like that. He'd need to get called back in. He'd just light up the fucking court for three or four minutes and take a seat again. 
Like, I, I just, I don't know. I just, when Melo was, like, thrilled to be on the floor and when he was on fire, especially during those, like, middle years with him as a Nick, God damn, there was, like, nothing more exciting to watch. On fire Melo is so fun to yeah. watch. Just three to the dome, like, tongue out, like, nodding down the floor. Will yeah. anyone do the three to the dome anymore? Is there I a still... Nick who will do it? Will it be Tim Hardaway? Probably Tim Hardaway Jr. Yeah. Or Chris Ron break Baker. the internet if he does it i hope no, kp starts doing it no tim hardaway jr does uh they have a great relationship don't they yeah him and uh, mellow isn't that the reason why tim hardaway jr came back was because of mellow or wasn't that uh, aside from the money it was, obviously i'm sure i'm but sure it played a part but i think it played I, a I part one i saw him yeah i think maybe part of it is like taking over obviously he's not taking the crown for him from him but like kind of becoming the kind of player that Mel has been the last few years in New York, Tim Hardaway has the ability to do that. I mean, more in on-court attitude than really performance on the court, but kind of carrying over that, like, New Yorker throne. KP is, is a, he's a different kind of guy. Um, I think Tim Hardaway and Mello are cut from the same cloth in a lot of ways. So I, I think they kind of, he kind of knew this was probably coming all along, but he's just kind of, I don't know, carrying on the legacy a little bit. All right, I got to get going, but um, it's also weird that the Knicks play the Thunder in the first game of the season. Yes. And the Cavs play the Celtics, so, like, two of the larger off-season trades. Ooh, my third eye. Each oh, other. Trade, my third eye. Uh, yeah, my third eye is twitching right now, yeah. bro. Just oh my God, I am let you know, the NBA perhaps is rigged. Perhaps. Not really, but. Uh, ain't no perhaps about it, Bubba. All right, um, I'll see you guys later. Have a good rest of the pod, and stay mellow. Stay mellow. <laughs> Stay me seven zero. Yep, Miss seven zero. I hate, I hate when people correct. I hate when people correct me. They did it with res- uh, the respect with Cheater too, and they were like re re, re- two pack. pack. And I, was, I was like, look, look, guys, it's not great, but you you understood, all right? You, you yeah. get it. Come on, it's you just, get it. It's just, just branding. Read it, read it quietly in your mind and move on, all right? Just chuckle. <laughs> me seven zero. <laughs> me stay me seven zero. Any other? Uh... Any other updates on this? Is he going to turn into Olympics Mellow? I mean, he kind of has to. I mean, he's just going to be thrilled, you know? He's going to be, like, amp- amplified. He's going to be out there. He's going to play some of his best games of, like, the last three or four years. So his first, uh, those first few games he's on the court. You know, you know what I was thinking about, too? Is that Paul George, I, I don't think people really take the time to realize, Paul George plays a lot of off-ball. Like... He can obviously score in isolation, but he generally doesn't do that. A lot of what he does is catch and shoot because he's good at it, and that's where he gets his points. Um, so what I was thinking is when people have the inevitable, oh, there's only one basketball discussion that they're going to have, uh, Mello, just by out of volume, is going to get less shots, right? So he's going to have to fit in. And... Paul George is already a catch-and-shoot guy, so I wouldn't really call Paul George, like, a bona fide number two. I'm almost looking at Paul George and Melo as, like, 2A and 2B, and they, they'll just kind of fluctuate as they go because Melo will probably occupy some possessions because of his play style, and you expect that. But Paul George, again, just kind of often with a lesser Pacers roster, was already catching and shooting, so I don't think his role would really change all that much. He just has better teammates now. So I think this is actually going to work better than people might think when they 
try to make the whole like Westbrook's a scoring guard kind of thing, and Paul George is the bona fide too. He's gonna need the ball a lot. I kind of see this working better than uh, people might think. Yeah, I th- I mean, I think it might work out for them. I I, I don't I could see every reason how those three players would want to put it together. I think Steven Adams is going to go along with whatever else they need, and they can plug. Uh, I mean, I guess they'll put like who, like Robertson in there. Will be the yeah, the you're you're gonna, starter. Yes, yes. Yeah, so you probably have Westbrook, Ro- uh, Robertson, Robertson, uh, and then you have George, I guess Mello, Adams, George, and Mello and Adams as your three, four, five. That's not a the only issue. That's that a playoff lineup. Yeah, but they don't have a bench, so that they're. Yeah. I mean. Who cares if you're going to blow them out in the first, you know, quarter anyway? So, to, I, other, I can't even think of anyone who's playing on Oklahoma City's bench anymore. No, the, other, the other thing too is, as we've known forever, because we throw hissy fits and stomp our feet about him not playing the four more, is he actually plays defense at the four, and it's not he doesn't suck at defense at the four. He's just okay and good at it. Like, it's just it's average defense that he plays there because he's not chasing guys on the perimeter. Generally speaking, he's sort of within the block or he's just waiting there bodying guys, and he's a very strong guy. So when he did play the four or he even in smaller rosters, defensively the numbers always reflected him playing better defense. So I think now you throw him at the four with a strong player like Steven Adams, and then you kind of had – sort of what you had in 2012, 2013, where it was Mello at the four and Tyson Chandler, Defensive Player of the Year at the time. And I think that those two complemented each other really well. If they didn't, I mean, those are the two most important Knicks that year, no? I mean, that's that's why they were the 54-win team that they were. So I think you put Mello back in his most optimal position. Sure, he's older, of course, five years older. But I think between that and the fact that now you have a – you know, one of the best point guards in the league, best guards in the league, period. And then you have Paul George. It's like, I don't see this team, like, for all the talk about uh, Westbrook and Melo's defensive deficiencies, I don't really see that being an issue, at least for Melo. I really, I can't, at that position, I can't. I, 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 I don't, I think that they... Where do you put them in the West, I guess I would say? They were... I, I saw them in a lot of people's top four or top I think five. I think they're for sure four, right? I mean, best case scenario... But I saw that before the Mellow trade. Does this change anything or are they kind of like... Is this just kind of going to cancel itself out? I think... For me, I think that before they were like best case scenario four, worst case like five or six... I think this is like best case scenario. This works better than people think, and they could probably hit two. Not for sure, but I think that they would give, they'd be in the running for two. I think anywhere from two to four now. I mean, this is, it's a good team. That That's a really good starting lineup. Like, that's a really good starting lineup with guys in really optimal spots. I can't see, I can't see less than four. I really can't see less than four, but I think up to two. Up to two, I, I don't know if I could put them past. Obviously, you can't put them past the Warriors. Can't the, Spur, I, the Spurs didn't do a whole lot this summer. Spurs didn't do a whole lot. I, they, they sat very tight. They I, I don't think they did anything substantial. So that's why... Where, where do but, we stack them with Houston? 
I would say he, if Houston's got a better par, bench, so. Oh yeah, Houston has the, the the better roster, so. I'd probably still I would I still wouldn't take them over Houston. I think Houston has them by a nose. I'd feel pretty comfortable saying OKC could be three. I, I yeah. I, I, I could because, and that's not an indictment against the Spurs because the Spurs could be the four seed and still finish in the Western Conference Finals. I just mean like regular season seeding. I could see three. I think that's very, very reasonable. I could see that too. And I mean, tank wise, what's, what, how, how much worse are we going to get now? Not much. I, I really... Look at all the other players that weren't mellow and KP. Like this was still a young, and it's either young guys and then a bunch of vets to try to lead those young guys. Like this team's gonna win what twenty five, maybe thirty games, and they're not gonna be good. That's that was the case with Mello anyway. I think so. I don't know. Should they trade Courtney Lee? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I, and I don't think you trade him for much to be honest. I, he. He is what he is. He's going to get you, what, 10 points a game. He's going to shoot threes well, and he's still a capable defender. You know, hopefully, you, everybody knows you're selling now. Melo's gone. So hopefully somebody takes a flyer. Maybe you get a little bit more because of that. But I'd be – like, if you gave me, like, something to make the salary work and then – or even if we could just dump the salary and then we just get – I'd be comfortable with a second-round pick at this point. I don't yeah. really care. I just want to get – I just want to get, like, salary out. And then uh, kind of from there, just let, like, honestly, just let KP just play. Like, put him in spots to be successful. We were kind of complaining about that last year. Just let him play. Let him and, like, Billy figure it out a little bit. And then just see what you have. And then just keep that salary open and try to build around him as best you can. That's the only thing I could think of. My thing is, like, if not both, either Lance or Courtney Lee needs to go. Like, this team is not going to be competitive anyway. We don't need to be keeping, like, money around on defensive specialists who are going to affect our win percentages in the end. And I know that, like, they're going to try to build a team to compete as much as they can each season. Like, that's just kind of their jobs, and that's what the players and the coaches are going to do. But if, like, subtracting your best defensive players are just going to help your lottery odds, in my opinion. Um so I, I, mean, I, I would say that both of those two on the roster is too much. Keeping one in just to keep the games interesting and competitive and so we don't want to like blow our brains out by December um, would be good. But yeah, I, 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 I don't know. It not, I'm not asking for anything back. Maybe it's I'd like, a pick. I'd like Lance to stay around. I mean, he, he doesn't make that much money and he's been here for a while. I just kind of, I don't know if I'm attaching too much value to that, but I think... Lance is a good vet to have around. And also, I think he's just grown on me. I'd like for him to just have a home. I don't know. I'm attaching too much value to this for sure. But I'd rather get Courtney Lee out. He makes more anyway. I think the uh, the next issue is that with McDermott coming on board, the Knicks have four small forwards now. So they have McDermott, Beasley, Kuzminkis, and Thomas. So you kind of have a a log jam at the three. So if if you're going to make a move, you could probably move Lance Thomas for something else or, I don't know, a pick or a late pick or something. But, yeah. Well, anything else we got to talk about on this? I mean, I guess there's going to be more coming out over the next few days. Um, 
You got, Monday is going to be Monday is going to be very Monday is going to be very interesting to see um to see I'm like pissed. what Cantor looks like to see what uh what McDermott's going to look like and we're going to have our own Kyle Maggio there uh taking it all in. I am irate and I would just like to publicly vent for like one second. When I first met the Knicks in 2010 after Amari had gotten here, I met like Gallo and uh, Wilson Chandler and all the rest of the Knicks and I came 3 months before Melo was traded. And it was still a great opportunity to meet them, but it hurt because I was like, damn, like if I just the next season had I had the same opportunity, I would have had Melo here. That's all right. I was like, well, maybe there'll be other opportunities. Well, last week, the opportunity arose for me to go to media day. And I'm thinking this is too far in the game. Like they haven't been able to move them all summer before the trade deadline last year. They're just going to sit tight, probably, you know, let him play a little bit and then trade him during the season. I thought it was a lock at this point. And I remember sitting there after I told my wife that I was going to get to go to media day. She's like, oh, it's cool. So you get to meet Carmelo. And then when she said it out loud, that's when it hit me. I was like, something's going to happen. So then I was sitting here talking to my boy today as we were doing this tag sale. And he's like, you think he's going to get traded? He's like, wouldn't it be crazy if it happened on Monday? And I was like, you know, everybody's talking about it too much. I think it's going to happen before then. And of course, it happens two days before I was going to go the media day now it's still gonna be a good time i'm gonna see kp hopefully can't during them or there because then i can get some good sound bites but twice he he's eluded me twice and this time i missed him by two days and it hurts i can't lie to you it hurts I, i'm not gonna be a professional about this i'm gonna i'm gonna whine for a few seconds so it's okay sorry you should wear your mellow jersey there just to see what happens or you you could <laughs> wear one of uh the next wall's great uh, hoodie mellow t-shirts or hoodies or uh, you could seamless even, plug yeah you could wear I mean you could even go way back and wear one of our uh, very seemingly popular and thanks to all of our great fans but our J.R. Smith Henny shirt is always a classic um, we, I mean you, we may even be able to get you some secret designs that we haven't even unveiled yet it's all in the style. style yeah, yeah. It's all I, I, I don't know I uh Monday is going to be interesting. I, I tell you that yeah, much. Yeah. All right. Well, it's even it's even funnier because after yesterday's press conference, I know try that's to what I'm everyone, too. everyone trying to get this out of their like their mouths and they couldn't. And then all of a sudden, 24 hours later, here we are. I'm, I, I live tweeted the whole thing and I'm just like I was actually left that conf- conference convinced that Mello was not going to be traded, that he was going to be with us until at least uh, the trade deadline. Um, I, I I was pretty much as close to convinced as you can be. Um, there were some good quotes in there, and I guess Nick's management just fooled me again. Right when I thought I wouldn't ever get fooled again. And there we go. The who? The who? All right. You we know, good? We good here? Or you got, you got something else, Kyle? No, I mean, and I'm trying to write about this. I've been trying to write about it for like a month and I just got swamped and then the mellow rumors died down. So I put it off. I'm writing a thing about sort of lamenting the what could have been with mellow here and how if things just, you know, just detailing his time here. And then what could have been had we not just fucked up after 2012, 2013, like we had such like the best version of Mello that he had been, and then it just went downhill so fast. So 
I guess, I don't know that we need to really discuss it, but I just often think about, like, what really could have been had we just, like, made a couple of simple roster moves, no, like, Bargani, like, nothing wild. Like, I just lament that in his best years, the best professional statistical years that he had, that we somehow botched that. And I just lament the what could have... And I don't mean, like, a title. I just mean, like constant playoffs maybe a, a run to the eastern conference finals like anything i just i just, I just it's, it's incredible to me that, that his first his like best season with us came with the supporting cast of like 40 year old marcus canby 40 year old uh jason Kurt thomas 40 year old Tom, uh jason kid 40 year old rasheed wallace like literally all we had to do is go and sign all the like old ass vets and we probably could have like gotten to the Eastern Conference Finals at least for like three or four years. But we went out and got Bargnani. We got rid of Novak. We got God, just thinking about all the great like just the teammates from the mellow era. I'm getting nostalgic as shit right now. Yeah. Also fuck fuck Roy Hibbert. Yeah. Fuck, fuck Roy yes. Fuck Roy yes. Hibbert. We uh, undoubt, undoubtedly we win the series if Roy Hibbert doesn't block that chat. Fuck Amari's back too. Oh, oh yeah man. That's a big thing. Fuck Chauncey right. getting signed and then uh, you know, us amnestying him immediately to sign Tyson Chandler so we couldn't amnesty Amare. There's a lot of things we could say fuck that too. Um, it's not going to do us any good. This I'm is, just, that's, that's, a, that, that's a different podcast. <laughs> this is, is Melo's legacy in New York. This is it. This all culminates in one podcast. I just very... I know we, we tweeted it out from the site account, but... Um, and I know a lot of fans, you know, have given Mello his fair share of uh, criticism at the games and online and everything else. But uh, I do want to say that, you know, thank you to Carmelo for his time here. Um, he was one of the better Knicks in franchise history, regardless of team outcome. Um, he was tremendous for us often and with a really just terrible and underwhelming um team around him so i just you know just thank you thank you for making even if it was for a season and a half two seasons when you first got here you know making basketball enjoyable for us again after uh, suffering for quite some time so uh hopefully this passing of the torch to kp will go well as we head into a new direction but I think everybody should really appreciate uh, what he gave us, what he could give us anything uh, on the court for his contribution. So thank you to Carmelo Anthony for your time here. Shout to Melo. Thank you, Melo, for making making the uh, the recent Nick years somewhat palatable to to watch, even though the rest of the team stunk it up. For hope. So. Thank, thank you for always giving us some hope. And like a little bit, of, like a scoring title, you know, a, a playoff series win. Uh, you know, we, uh, we're going to, his legacy is going to be defined that we always should have gotten more, but he did give us what no other player had been able to give us for like 10, 11 years before that. So it's something. It's something. All right. Ryan, Kyle. Trey, who's left us, but thanks guys for coming on. Um, thanks Mello for being a Nick. Thanks Nick's fans for sticking with us. And 
about it. Go buy some Hoodie Mellow merch to celebrate the day. All right, guys. Thank you. Peace.